Well, good morning and welcome to our City of Love gathering. It's hard to believe that this is our 12th online gathering together. Whether you are watching from your computer screen or your smartphone or whether you are watching with us on Sunday morning or catching up later in the week, we hope you know that you are so welcome with us this morning. And our prayer is that although we cannot be together in person, we pray that this service will be a real blessing for us all in the midst of these uncertain times. As you've probably heard a few times now, this service is designed to run as a playlist on YouTube, so do make sure you have selected that option before watching any further. As always, we want the Word of God to call us to worship Him, so do turn with me to Psalm 103 in your Bibles. A psalm of praise that reminds us of the goodness of God and the love that he has for his people. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sin and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are with us this morning, no matter where we are. Father, we praise you. Thank you, Lord, that as the psalmist reminds us, you are a God who forgives all our sin, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with love and compassion. We are so undeserving of this love. We thank you for this undeserved kindness towards us. As we reflect upon your goodness to us, we are so aware of the many ways this week that we have not lived to bring you honour and glory. Lord, forgive us for our selfish and sinful hearts that so often turn away and worship things other than you. Thank you so much for the forgiveness of sin made possible by Jesus. Thank you for the assurance and freedom that we can know because of this forgiveness. Lord, remind us of this amazing truth each day and change us, we pray. Amen. Before Claire comes to speak to our P7s, we are going to sing a song now that calls us to praise God for how great he is. Let's sing together, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Boom. Good morning. You have just caught me in the middle of eating my breakfast. You can see here I've got loads of food here to get through. Muffins. Brioche, pancakes, mmm. You're probably thinking, how lucky are you to have such a big breakfast? That's amazing. But actually, if I'm honest with you, I'm really quite sad this morning because I'm sitting here with all this food, all on my own, 
and I'm quite sad. You see, normally on this Sunday, the Sunday at the end of May, beginning of June, I'd be sitting down with my P7s from Sunday Club and we'd be sitting eating breakfast together. You see, over here there would be Lucy Howe and there would be Eva Merland and there would be Rachel Walls and there would be Erin Moynihan and Anna Irwin, five lovely ladies. And in the middle of the five lovely ladies, there would be the rabble of 10 boys. And so we'd have Daniel Shine and we'd have Daniel Wilson. And over here we'd have Owen Montgomery and Fraser Mottram. And then we would have Jack Fuller and Tristan, Tristan Hashim. And as well as that, we would have Zach McCoy. Let me see if I can remember them all. And Nathan Dowie. And then we'd have Joel Drain. And last but not least, Harry Johnson. So there could be 15 of us sitting down together enjoying breakfast. Shh, don't tell the P5s and P6s that's what we'd be doing. Now you're probably thinking, what on earth would you be doing sitting eating breakfast together? Well, this time of year, in fact, probably yesterday, our P7s will have received in their post a letter telling them what school they'll be moving to in September. So what we like to do in Sunday Club at this time of year is to have a think about moving schools. Now, yes, we eat loads of breakfast. In fact, it's really eat as much as you want. Don't tell the parents. And we have lots of crack together. We play games and do activities. And we even have a real life teenager or two coming to visit. And that's got to be my favourite bit. Because the teenagers, well, they have moved school a lot more recently than I have moved schools. So they are brilliant to hear from. So they tell us a bit about um, some of the things to look forward to. Uh, they give us some advice about things they would do or might do differently if they had to do it again. And they tell us a bit about how to manage homework and how to get involved with after school things. And it's just brilliant to hear from them. As well as all of that, we chat a bit about how we're feeling about moving on to new school. We think about some of the things we're going to miss from primary school. And we also think about some of the things we're really looking forward to about our new schools. And sometimes we even chat a bit about some of the things that we find are worrying us or that we think are a bit scary about moving skills. How we're going to cope? How we're going to manage? What about friendships? What about some of the choices we're going to have to make? And how we're going to do that? So that's what we would normally be doing on a Sunday morning this time of year. But as you know, Things are all a bit different at the minute and we're not able to be together and so I'm really quite sad. But anyway, I don't give up easily, don't, don't like to give up. So I have thought about a few things that we could do uh, to help us and to help you guys as P7s think about moving on to your new school in September, even though we're in a bit of a strange time. So the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to drop round to your house hopefully over the next week this booklet 
And this is the booklet that we normally do together over the three or four weeks that we are together in Sunday Club. And it's got lots of questions, lots of things to think about, uh, some Bible passages in it to read. So I would love it if you could have a go at working through this, maybe a wee bit every day or over the weeks ahead. And the other thing I'm going to drop around is the Scripture Union It's Your Move book. Now you might normally be getting that in school, or I'd be giving it to you in Sunday Club, but you won't be able to be there to get them. So I'm going to give them round to your homes, so you can have a wee read of that as well. So that's one of the things. The second thing I think you could do is have a watch of some of the resources that Scripture Union have put together. Now they have been working really, really hard at this, because they're really sad that they're not getting to speak to you in your schools, and maybe even at the camp that you were planning to go to in July. So what they've done is they have put together four video clips. The first one is a special assembly for P7s and you can find that today at the end of today's City of Love playlist. And there are three more video clips that are going to be added on to our services over the next three weeks and it's the It's Your Move series. So they've produced three special videos. So watch out for those. Watch them right away because they're not going to be around very long, just till the end of June. So those are some of the things that you could be doing P7s at home to think about getting ready for moving to your new school in September. Now, do you know what I'd love it if you could do? And that would be, see if you have a go at filling out the booklet. Send me some photographs of some of your pages or maybe you working away at the booklet and we can include those in our postcards from home. And also at the back of this, there's a page with some space that you can write down some prayers, some things that you'd like to talk to God about and some things you would like help with. And I would love it if you could send me some of those things that you would like us to pray for. And your family here at Kirkpatrick would love to pray for you over the next few weeks and to pray some of the things that you are going to ask us for. So send them in to me and we'll get praying. Okay? Now, just to finish, I wonder do you P7s remember sitting around this very table here in October time? It was a Friday night. It was just before the AQE kicked off. And we were trying to have a bit of fun uh, in the middle of all the practice tests you were doing. And we had had a quiz. Jonathan had done a, a brilliant quiz with us. And then we were eating pizza. And at the end, I shared with you one verse that I wanted you to remember. And I printed it out on a wee piece of card and you took it away home. And the verse, I wonder does anybody remember where the verse was from? Shared it out if you can at home. Well, the verse was from Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. And the verse says, and this is God speaking to Joshua when he'd asked him to do a really difficult task. And God said to Joshua, do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. For I am with you wherever you go. These are difficult days. These are difficult days for everybody at the minute. And I think they are particularly difficult for our P7s. As you are thinking about moving school, but you're not with your friends, you're not able to chat together, 
you're not even able to go and visit your school in June, as many of you would be doing. There's lots of unknown, an unknown about what September will really look like. But I want you to remember this verse. Do not be worried. Do not be afraid. For the Lord your God is with you, wherever you go and whatever is happening. Isaiah chapter 65 verses 17 to 25. New heavens and a new earth. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. He who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, but dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Since Easter time, we've been back in our recommissioned series. We've been asking God to show us in his word what kind of people he wants us to be. And over these last weeks, we've seen that we're to be people who witness to the living God, who proclaim the gospel of Christ, who send and are sent. Last week, in the last of our Frontline Sundays, we made a connection between our gathered and our scattered worship. We gather together to be inspired, to be equipped, and then we scatter. Our time for worship in here is to equip us for our lives out there. This morning we're going to push a little bit further into the out there and we're going to see that we are people who live and work in the public square. When we say public square it's talking about our front lines but maybe something a little bit bigger than our personal front lines, something broader than that. We're talking this morning about finding our place in society. I want to try and answer a couple of questions about the public square this morning from God's Word. First question, what does God think of the public square? And secondly, how should we live in the public square? So that first question, what does God think of the public square? Is he even interested? Many of us have grown up in churches and we may well have a sneaking suspicion that he's not. 
God's not interested in the world of commerce and politics, of the arts and sports and leisure. Any interest that he may have in that world is limited only to it as a place for evangelism. The only purpose of the public square is as a forum for talking to people about Jesus. God, we were told, is interested in church, in missions and missionaries, and in getting people to heaven. But he's not interested in society and how public affairs are conducted here on earth. Of course, that makes for a very frustrating kind of a life for most of us. We're not, after all, ministers or missionaries. So we live with this haunting suspicion that our job, our, our so-called secular work, doesn't really matter to God. We're left searching frantically for some scraps of leftover time to do something spiritual that does matter to God. Our churches may have given us that impression and they may have contributed to our sense of frustration, but they're wrong. This isn't what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that God is intensely interested in the public arena of social and economic and political life. He's interested, he's involved, and he's in charge of. He has big plans for the public square. If we had time, we could go into this in great depth. We could talk about how God created the world in a way that necessitates trade and economies, and how he's invited us to work as his co-creators. He created the public square. God audits the whole of the created order. That is, he keeps an eye on it to see that it's running okay and to hold people accountable. We could talk too, if there was time, about a great mystery. That the same God who gives us so much autonomy as his creatures in this world, at the same time governs this world. The Bible is replete with stories of him governing, even through pagan kings. Isaiah puts the whole of Egypt under God's judgment. Daniel had to teach the great Nebuchadnezzar a lesson that God governs in the public square. So there we have very quickly three ways in which God relates to the public square. He created it, he audits it, and he governs in the public square. But let's think for a moment a little bit more deeply about one way in which God relates to the public square. He redeems it. I wonder, do you believe that? Do you believe that God's redeeming not just some people from this world, but the world itself? A lot of Christians don't believe that. They think that God's going to burn this whole world up and whisk us who believe in Jesus off to heaven. In this way of thinking, human history is a bit like a waiting room for heaven. And of course, in this way of thinking, the public square really doesn't matter very much at all. Who cares about a world that's about to be tossed into the incinerator? Again, the Bible teaches something different. It gives us a vision of redemption, not of obliteration, of the restoration and renewal of creation 
not its replacement with something else. This brings us to our Bible passage for this morning, which Pete read a moment ago. In chapter 65, near the end of his long prophecy, Isaiah paints a beautiful picture of the new creation. A new heavens and a new earth. It looks forward to a human life beyond weariness and decay, in which there will be fulfilment in work and family, in which the curses of frustration and injustice will be gone forever, in which there will be close and joyful fellowship with God, in which there will be environmental harmony and safety. It's a beautiful picture. It's a picture of life with all the best parts left in personal life, family life, public life, animal life, all redeemed and restored, giving glory to God and joy and fulfillment to God's people. It's such a beautiful picture, actually, that whenever John writes his revelation and he gives us a final biblical vision for the people of God, he joins in with Isaiah and riffs off his original vision. John's vision in Revelation 21, isn't of people being beamed up to heaven, but of heaven and God itself coming down. God's going to come and live with us in a purged and redeemed creation. Every redeemed part of human civilization is going to be represented in the city that God's creating. Isn't that brilliant? Doesn't that change everything? Knowing that God's going to redeem the public square. I love how Chris Wright talks about this in his book, The God I Don't Understand. The material is so good that I'm just going to read a bit of it for you. All that has enriched and honoured the life of all nations in all history will be brought in to enrich the new creation. The new creation will not be a blank page, as if God will simply crumple up the whole of human historical life in this creation and toss it in the cosmic bin and then hand us a new sheet to start all over again. The new creation will start with the unimaginable reservoir of all that human civilization has accomplished in the old creation, but purged, cleansed, disinfected, sanctified and blessed and we shall have eternity to enjoy it and to build upon it in ways that we cannot even dream of just now we will exercise the power of creativity of our redeemed humanity isn't that just amazing Wright continues he says think of the prospect all human culture language literature art Music, science, business, sport, technological achievement, actual and potential, all available to us. All of it with the poison of evil and sin sucked out of it forever. All of it glorifying God. All of it under his loving and approving smile. All of it for us to enjoy with God and indeed being enjoyed by God, and all eternity for us to explore it, understand it, 
appreciate it and expand on it. End of quote. Wow. What does God think of the public square? He loves it. And he's redeeming it. So that he and we can enjoy it forever. In a moment we're going to think about what difference that makes for us. How we should live in the public square. But first we're going to sing together. For the cause. We've seen so far this morning that God loves this world. Not just its people. But also its public square. And that he has great plans for it. Now that we've seen what God thinks of it, we come to our second question. How should we, as followers of Jesus Christ, live in the public square? The Bible shows, I think, two postures that we need to keep in balance. We are one to contribute to the public square as best we can. And two, we're to confront the public square where that's necessary. Let's think first of all about how we can contribute to the public square. With time only to look at three ways we might do that this morning. God sometimes positions his people to serve the state. Think of Joseph, a foreign slave trafficked into a country. Or Daniel, a prisoner dragged off to a foreign land as part of a despised ethnic minority. Or think of Esther taken into exile with her chief asset being her beauty. For each of them, from those unpromising beginnings, all three of them rose to positions of influence in those pagan kingdoms of their time. Joseph and Daniel were both very clear that God had been in the doing. Esther's uncle asked her to consider whether God hadn't brought her into her position for such a time as this, namely to save her people from disaster. God was able to use each of these in their public sphere for a number of reasons. They accepted the reality that they found themselves in. They worked for the regime and for the benefit of all. And importantly, crucially, they preserved their own integrity. These and others show us that God sometimes positions people to serve their secular state. I wonder if for somebody listening this morning, that alone might help you make greater sense of your calling. There's a second way in which God's people contribute in the public square. In both Testaments, God's people are commanded to pray for the state they're in, not just for Israelites in the Old Testament or Christians in the New, but for all citizens. When he was writing to the exiles in Babylon, Jeremiah encouraged the people there to pray for the city, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Paul picked up the theme in the New Testament in his first letter to Timothy. I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and for all those in authority. 
Folks, we live in a culture that prefers to criticize its leaders, to take their contributions for granted, and to vilify them for any misjudgments or mistakes that they make. That's not how God's people are to live in the public square. We're to pray for our leaders. In Jeremiah's letter to Babylon, we see a third way in which God's people are to contribute to the public square. They're to seek the welfare of the city. That can be a big ask. The Jews of Jeremiah's day hated the Babylonians. They had, after all, destroyed their city. They'd killed many of their compatriots. But there are enemies that people maybe thought. So what? Says Isaiah. Or Jeremiah even. Pray for them. Seek their welfare. Jeremiah at this point sounds a lot like Jesus. Who would say a few centuries later to all his followers. Love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you. This is how we're to live in the public square. To work for the good of our city. All of it. Even for those we once considered enemies. Can you imagine how different Belfast would be. If all of those in this city who took the name of Jesus. Were contributing to the city in these ways. So we're to contribute to the public square as best we can. But secondly, we're also to confront the public square where necessary. We don't have time to go into this in great depth this morning. So let me mention three aspects of this and go a little bit deeper with one of them. First of all, we're called to resist idolatry. That's a well-known biblical theme. As people who know the one true God and who know that his son Jesus is the only way into life, we've got to confront a culture that's full of other gods. Secondly, we're called to suffer. Jesus told us not only to expect suffering, but to be glad when it comes. He said, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Folks, we sometimes imagine that suffering is a sign that we're out of God's will. Jesus teaches quite the opposite. It may well be a sign that you're very much obedient and in God's will. The third aspect of our calling to confront the public square, and one that I'd like to invite you to consider with me for a few moments just now, is the calling to be different. It kind of goes with the territory. If, as we've been saying throughout this series, we're people who represent God to the world, we're people who attract others to him, then we can't do that by simply being the same as everyone around us. We're to be distinctive. We're to be a peculiar people. Keep Austin weird is a slogan adopted by the Austin Independent Business Alliance. And it's to promote small businesses in Austin, Texas. I think it's a great slogan. 
maybe we should adopt it. Keep Kirkpatrick weird. We're to be different. Peculiar. Weird. That all sounds interesting, but did Jesus really say that? He certainly did. In some of his most well-known teaching, in Matthew chapter 5, right at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, and you're the light of the world. There's been a great deal of ink spilled uh, in interpreting those verses over the years, but I'm with Chris Wright when he says that a strong contrast is implied. Wright goes on to say that if disciples are to be the salt and light, then the world must be corrupt and dark. The whole point of the metaphors depends on the contrast. Jesus compares the world to meat or fish that if left to itself will very quickly become putrid. The primary use of salt in his day was to preserve meat or fish by soaking it in brine or rubbing salt thoroughly into it. Jesus compares the world to a room in a house after the sun goes down. It gets dark. Lights have to be lit to avoid danger and damage. So the world in which we live, the public square, is a corrupt and dark place. In this sense, the salt and the light are both confrontational in that they challenge decay and darkness and transform them both. I was having a Bible chat with one of my kids this week and we were talking about this very passage. Chris Wright will be glad to know that we think he's got it spot on when he says this. If a piece of meat goes rotten, it's no use blaming the meat. That's what happens to meat when you leave it out on its own. The question is, where is the salt? If a house gets dark at night, it's no use blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question is, where is the light? If a society becomes darker and more corrupt, it's no use blaming society. That's what fallen human nature does when it's left unchecked and unchallenged. The question to ask is, where are the Christians? Folks, we're out of time for today. We have to leave it just now. Why don't we leave it with that question? Where are the Christians? We've been thinking about the public square. We've seen that God loves this world and he's working even now for its renewal. We've seen that he calls us into the public square to confront it when we must and to contribute as much as we possibly can. I've started praying and asking God to show me where he'd like me to be more involved in the public square. Will you join me? Will you pray that same prayer for yourself? Just now we're going to sing a prayer inviting God to lead us into the public square for his glory. It's got a quirky wee video. I just love the Dutch guys who have recorded this for us. You'll find the tune familiar. We seek your king. Let's pray. 
Father God, where morning dawns, you call forth shouts of joy. This morning we, your people, proclaim that you, our God and Saviour, are the hope of all the ends of the earth. We worship you, our Creator God. Your abundance so evident, the rapid growth in our gardens, the perfumed hedgerows on the greenway, the busy, chattering birds, all proclaiming, you are Lord of all. We thank you that you are immensely powerful and so caring, immeasurably great and relentlessly tender. At the end of a week marked by controversy in government and continued debate about a way forward, we ask you to give our political leaders wisdom. Lord, we ask that you guide our Prime Minister and Cabinet, our MPs, civil servants, economists and advisors, as they make decisions that impact lives, including our most vulnerable citizens, with justice and mercy characterise policy. Give our local politicians here discernment as they discuss and implement the easing of our lockdown. We need your help. We don't know what's best, but we trust you. Work to bring compassionate and wise outcomes. Lord of all knowledge, as scientists continue to research a vaccine and other treatments for COVID-19, bless the work of their hands. Give them success, as you have in the past. As we continue in these uncertain days, may we be known as people trusting in the arc of your story. May that our presence with friends and neighbours be like salt and light in the face of conspiracy theory and anxiety. May our joy, peace and our calms speak of you. We remember those in our church family far away from home, in France, Portugal, Canada, Kazakhstan. Thank you that we are united with cords that can't be broken. Keep them from harm, comfort them at homesick and encourage them. As Mark Welsh speaks today for the last time in the church, and as they begin to say their goodbyes, bring them safely home. In the silence, Lord, hear our prayers for those we love currently separated from us. Be with the incoming moderator David Bruce as he begins his year this week and with the various committees that will meet to discern how congregations like ours can work in the current restrictions. May all decisions honour you. In our own church family here in Kirkpatrick, Lord, we rejoice with those who rejoice. Thank you for the recovery from COVID-19 that's been experienced by brothers and sisters. We thank you for the extraordinary care given by those working in healthcare. And we mourn with those who mourn. For those in our church family grieving loss, Lord, be the comfort and presence that they need. For those among us anxious and fearful, Lord, help us to trust in you, the rock. For those of us worried about money, Lord, help us to trust in you, the provider. For those of us weary, fatigued and fed up, Lord, refresh us. For those of us lonely, help us to lean into your presence. For those of us with letters which mean an unknown length of time at home, Lord, grant us patience. For those of us not enjoying life being out of our control, Lord, comfort us that you are in control. For all of us, do a deep work of growth in our lives. Thank you for our church community. May we notice each other's needs and be generous with our time, resources and friendship. How we long to meet in person. You know this. You know the way. Bring us through this time, loving you and each other. Lord, hear these our prayers. In the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Very quickly, folks, a few announcements and comments as we get near the end of our gathering today. Uh, first of all, just a thank you. Uh, it really is brilliant to have so many people helping us with these services. Um, it's one of the great strengths of Kirkpatrick that we have a church family of godly, gifted people who are glad to use their gifts to encourage others. So thank you today to Chloe to Claire, to Pete, and to Rosie. 
It was great to see so many of you at our Zoom prayer gathering on Wednesday evening. Uh, I reckon there were around about 100 people uh, managed to make it along. Uh, it was really brilliant. I think we'll, we'll probably do that again soon, uh, maybe near the end of June. So if you didn't manage to make it along this time, please look out for an invitation to the next of our corporate prayer gatherings, uh, probably late in June. I hope you're getting your emails okay and you're getting most of the news at Cups Down and what I need to say in these uh, announcement slots. Do look out for the invitation there this week to uh, contribute to the unexpected rescue or sing-along. You might remember the sing-along we had right near the start of lockdown. Well, Alan's given us some instructions for how to contribute to this one and there are some videos at the end of the playlist uh, which would help you too. So please get to work on that. I think Alan's looking for those videos by tomorrow. A couple of other things we mentioned in the email that went out on Friday. Uh, there's a counselling service available to people who have felt the effects of this coronavirus pandemic and are struggling. So you could read up on that. And also some information about Tear Fund's Coronavirus Emergency Appeal. Uh, have a look for the information about that. Look out for some stuff in the extras uh, today. Uh, Claire mentioned earlier in the service uh, a Leavers Assembly, a P7 Assembly prepared for us by Scripture Union. Have a look at that. And particularly if you are in P7, you might want to be sure to watch that. Uh, one last thing to look out for. Um, we had that appearance from Ricky Ross last week. Um, it was really lovely to have him on there. Uh, just giving us a bit of a shout out. This week we have uh, a cover band uh, singing the, the City of Love song in their own inimitable style. Look out for them uh, straight after the, the proper uh, City of Love song. Bye for now. What amazing words to sing. King Eternal, God of Grace. We crown you with the highest praise. Let me remind you of the words from Psalm 103 that we read at the beginning of our service. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let us go into the week ahead, praising God for who he is. May we be salt and light in our world. By way of benediction, let me close this morning with these words from Jude. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. Good morning, Sunday Clovers, um, or maybe it's good afternoon, uh, if it's not like it is in our house with this whole flex church idea, and uh, maybe you're watching this a little a, a little into the afternoon. Whatever time it is, um, hello, Alan here from Sunday Club, um, and listen, I trust everyone's doing okay. Um, we've had a bit of sunshine back, um, although some really strong winds. Uh, we've another bank holiday tomorrow, uh, so hopefully everyone is in pretty good spirits. Um, but it's hard. Isn't it all this lockdown stuff? 
Uh, I really miss being in church. Um, and I'm sure you guys miss being in school, seeing your friends. Um, I really miss playing my guitar in church. I miss singing along with everybody. And I really, really miss a Sunday club. Um, now, hopefully lots of you might remember uh, a few weeks back, um, I think it was actually right at the beginning of, of lockdown, uh, we asked you to uh, get involved in a project, which was to record yourself doing the actions and singing along to the, uh, the song All About Jesus. Well, we had a great response to that, and um, it's, I just loved seeing all those videos coming in. And it was great with the final result when we shared it out with everybody, um, and uh, it just helped everybody feel a part of something, to be together, even though we're kind of apart. Um, and uh, we just felt it was time to do another one of those. So I'm really hoping that we can get even more people involved this time. So your mums and dads and anybody who's watching this video do do feel that you can get involved. Um, the song we're going to do this time is a real favourite of mine. Um, and it's really special because uh, a couple of years ago, a holiday club, the theme was Unexpected Rescuer. And we had a song at that time with the same title. And But not a lot of people maybe know that the song was written by our very own and very talented Roger Cook. Uh, Roger, who, who, who plays the piano in the holiday club band, and, uh, and you'll see him at the front of the church, um, and uh, you know, playing the piano or, or, or sometimes leading the service. So Roger put this song together. He wrote the music, he did the words. And it was a really uh, a great song that helped us learn in a, in a fun way um, that Jesus is our unexpected rescuer. Now back then we, we learned that at the time that Jesus was living, uh, you know, God's people, they were expecting a Messiah, uh, someone to rescue them. But nobody expected that it was going to be Jesus. He, he was a, a, a baby born in a stable, the son of a carpenter, not a king or a warrior or somebody rich and powerful. Uh, he was the last rescue that anybody expected. And you know, right now, uh, we need to remember that Jesus still is and always will be um, you know, our rescuer. There's loads of talk about when we're going to come out of lockdown, uh, when we're going to get a vaccine, when things are going to go back to normal. But what we know is that Jesus is here. He knows us, he knows the plans he has for us, and he has already saved us. We're safe with him, and even though things aren't easy right now, and they're going to be hard for, for, for a while yet. They're so much easier when we remember that Jesus is our unexpected rescuer. So keep that in mind. Uh, I'll get started. It's dead easy, the same deal as last time. If you look in the extra section of today's service, uh, you'll see a video with the brilliant Anna and Louise Irwin doing the actions to the, the song. Uh, and there'll be lyrics on, on screen so you can sing along as well. So we want to hear lots of singing. Want to hear uh, you know lots of shouting at that part of the song, um, and uh, just record your video, singing along, doing the actions, and we need to do the whole song. So uh, remember that Fraser Mottram, we want to do the whole song. Um, and once you're done with your video, get your mum or dad to send it to me on WhatsApp. Uh, my number is here on the screen. If you want to pause for a second and take that down, so. Um, Send it to that number, uh, and we'll make sure that's in the email update, and we will um, send a link to the video as well. Now, one more important thing: we're hoping to have the video ready, um, maybe not for next Sunday service, but the one after that. It takes a few days to put it all together, um, so if you could have your video sent over to me, maybe by the end of next week, that would just give us enough time to bring it all together, uh, and that would be fab. So, a huge thanks to Roger for recording the music uh, for the for the video. 
thanks to Anna and Louise for doing the actions. Um, and uh, let's let's do it. I really can't wait to see it all. Uh, so um, that's it from me. Uh, much love, much prayers to everybody, and I will see you soon.